There's a thing popped up that says start recording. It says you're recording the call, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You all right with that? Yeah. Actually, how have you done your back? <laughs> Just putting the bins out, proper oh, proper stuff. Is it because it's full of Guinness bottles? Well, more than usual, yeah, if I'm honest. Do you more know, I'm more tired. I've just seen you rub your eyes. I'm more tired yeah. than I am normally at work. Yeah. I'm, I'm exhausted. Are you doing a lot of these video calls? Well, they are tiring, aren't they? I yeah, mean, they are. More than I usual. did half an, hour, half an hour earlier to the, um, the you know, that, that uh, young man who's in care that I, yeah. that I see. So I did half an hour with him. That was really lovely. I did an hour's union casework earlier today as well. I, I sat one off last night. Um, we were supposed to sort of have have a kind of post-dinner powwow with some friends that we'd sacked off because of coronavirus. I was too tired. I'll do that. We'll, we'll yeah. chat to them in the week. But you are right. It is tiring. Because everyone's getting to grips with it. And it's the latest thing. It was call after call, like from Wednesday. I think like Monday, Tuesday, everyone was getting a head round being at home. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I must have done four or five hour long calls a day. And I was just done. I was thinking this can't go on. And then oh, I looked no. at my diary. I looked at my diary, and then there was another similar sort of pattern. I thought I can't do this. And then I looked at my diary again this afternoon. And everyone's pulled them out and cancelled them. So I wonder if everyone's just feeling the same. I'm on leave from a week on. I'm a week tomorrow, and I, you know what I mean for a couple of weeks. And I am so taking it. It's yeah. just you know it's exhausting. I'm um it's pretty full. You know I'm baking bread. That's a tiring thing. Didn't realise how tiring that was, you know what I mean? But just trying to, you know, trying to get the timings right and trying to get the kneading right and trying to get the, get me starter and me leaven sorted, you know, me fermenting and all of that. Baker's on list of people who you, who you have a new found respect for. Always had respect for bakers. <laughs> they, they understand the world, don't they? You know I mean? If you yeah. understand bread, I think you understand the world. If you understand grains, you understand the world, I think. Yeah. yeah, so definitely them. Yeah, definitely them. Well, any anybody who does anything remotely with their hands where they also think about, they'll be thinking about the world, right? You're not just yeah. doing stuff with your hands, you know, whereas I sit in front of a machine or in, in a classroom, you know, and it's all, it's all right, all right, but I'm just thinking about the world, I'm not making anything. I, I heard a great podcast this afternoon, it was brilliant, called All Hail Kale. It's like a health podcast on BBC. Yeah. This guy from Hull, it was about positive thinking. This guy from Hull, it, it was a brilliant story, not brilliant what happened to him. And he was cycling somewhere, wasn't paying attention, and he's retired, old boy. And he thought the driver was going one way, so he decided to pass the other way and then basically oh. ended underneath her car. He was in hospital for several weeks. When he got out of hospital, he realised his lottery ticket was about to expire. But because his bicycle got mangled in the car crash, he didn't put his bet on. Five of the six numbers came up oh. and, he, and he didn't collect it. So his friend heard about this and said, after the week you've had, I'm taking you out. We're going to have a great time. So his friend took him out. His friend dropped him home, the worst for wear, and he was hungry. So he decided to cook some <laughs> chips and burnt oh, his bungalow down because he <laughs> fell asleep. He said the next thing he knew, he woke up and he was surrounded by firemen. Oh, my God. That's kind of, you're a proper Jonah if all of that's happening to you, ain't you? Yeah. This psychologist, uh, I assume she was a psychologist, who'd been hired by the show to try and persuade him to live a live a more positive lifestyle in in the hope that his look would change and he he turned down the offer of help oh my god 
like live on the podcast said no uh, you're all right to be rude but i don't want to try this um <laughs> i'm happy with my life the way it is but it was quite a nice ending to the story and the guy who hosts the podcast gave him a call about a week after and said i know you didn't try the help but how how have things been positive or or negative and he said yeah i'm on this massive winning streak at, at the bookies oh christ like the national <laughs> <laughs> everything's everything's coming together for him. everything's coming up roses awesome it's gone it's gone yeah. full ethel merman well anyway how are you yeah all right all right not too bad uh how are the boys? yeah all right we had a bit of a chat over tea actually about you know where they had heads up with it all they, and they just seem very positive and taking it in their stride <laughs> working on the basis that it won't last forever i think they're missing their school friends and the community of school and that kind of stuff but they're all they're kind of making the best of it but i don't think they realize the true scale of the problem either no, like, that no, no people no. are dying and stuff like that I, I don't i think there's quite a lot of adults who haven't really grasped that as well if i'm honest i asked because in part because um some of our, some of our friends they're uh like sort of whatsapp conversations where they've sort of said the kids are struggling now you know in particular the ones that were there are a couple like i was thinking about one of my um joe was sort of talking about one of one of our nephews who is effectively lives his life online really and, and he meets all his mates online and he's you know he's, he's all right but then there's a few friends who are definitely struggling their kids are struggling a little bit more in particular the ones that are kind of more gregarious and outgoing and like to be the center of attention and yeah uh, or at least are um rely much more on the kind of social really to get their kind of validation they're really they're really struggling at the moment and i guess it's going to be cyclical isn't it in terms of the way in which people well i guess people but also those those young people kind of relate so uh did uh, whatsapp my mate and say get him on the phone we'll have a little bit of inane jibber jabber and we'll and we'll see what we can do yeah that's a nice idea must be tough yeah. i think i wonder if this is all leading potentially in two different directions one whether at the end of all this there's going to be this huge outpouring of social interaction like street parties and everyone's going to want to attend every football match that, that's going and, and go to go into every pub and get to know each other again and embrace huge crowds festivals and things like that and everybody's going to want to feel part of like a renewed sense of freedom whether it will be a situation where no one knows how to do this like it, this becomes the norm and then interaction is is alien and we and we need to reboot i suppose they, like i brought that up thinking about well how what's work gonna look like when we all finally go back to our offices and sit in our offices again use yeah. the kitchen and and the, the wheels of industry turn again you know and i think it's going to be interesting trying to work out what that is what does the world look like after this what is you know what is what are, what are institutions look like what does the state look like you know how many people have passed away what does work look like if you can't generate enough productive capacity in the economy how do we deal with the massive bailouts that have been promised yet you know yet again you've already had austerity that's kind of punished the most marginal well you can't punish them anymore right so where are you gonna where are you gonna extract your kind of surpluses from beyond this or are we gonna do something different I think the personal, it's really interesting that, you know, that kind of more macro level versus the everyday, the lived experience every day of how do you find food and how do you pay your bills? And, you know, and we're lucky in that 
space you know given who we work for in that how do we how do we get access to food and i'm managing to get some deliveries from you know leicester market and and get some deliveries from people that we'd already ordered from in terms of meat and veg and stuff so we were in their system and that was great but you're right what does social interaction look like and a few of the people that i know who are single who are self-isolating now who are on their own kind of desperate for some to be touched and they can't get that so I think there's something, you are right, there's something interesting about how long this takes. There's another, like you mentioned earlier, it's quite, I found quite interesting. It's We've always seemed to have money for war in the past. You know, whenever whenever it's going off, we need to feel like we need to get involved. There's always... Is this where you go all Billy Bragg between the wars? No, not really, because that... actually I, I, I can see some strengths, like it's hard to explain this to a, a Marxist professor, but there are some strengths in a marketized world in this time. But what it has shown is that concurrent to that, you need a really strong public sector. That's been eroded. And we're, we're all out applauding the NHS because deep down we know that they've been battered and they're already at the bone. And now we're expecting them to do this incredible piece of work o- over the next few months. So it's kind of the, the government are finding all of uh, all of these investments, which, you know, you could almost say, well, this is very not socialist, but... <laughs> well maybe it is like they're they're trying they're suddenly finding money for homeless people to get them off the streets it's like well couldn't we have done that before you know (laughs) know, know, like deep down somewhere down the line we're we're gonna our taxes are going to be increased somehow but is that not a small price to pay and should we should we have just had increased taxes in the first place to pay for this stuff that people treasure i.e the nhs or where at has all the existing tax been going? Has it been going into this secret bank account that can now be unlocked because we're going to war with a disease instead of a, a Middle East country or, or whoever we're picking a fight with at the moment? Kind of, um, it's kind of interesting in, just for me in terms of the fact that the, the, vi- the virus is kind of, you know, it's not just in, in our corporeal existence you're thinking about we're thinking about lipid layers and spikes and we're thinking about rna as opposed to dna and it's not just the kind of the corporeal and whether it's going to impact my nan and can we keep her safe and all of that but it's the way in which is infected and inflected the our infrastructure our networks our how we conceive of society you know and we had that kind that kind of perspective that the market the market will the market will find a solution the market will find solutions well well will it in this moment or you know and, and obviously trump tried that didn't he a little bit with the whole kind of well we'll we'll pay the germans you know for their for their vaccine sure. or whatever yeah, yeah. but in the end the things that are giving me hope and cheer and all of that are the i'll self-isolate so that my ne- my neighbors who are both extremely vulnerable so they'll be okay i'll self-isolate and not see my nan because i love my nan and i will but at the same time you know what i mean we've got all these mutual aid groups and we've got a lot of stuff going on there in terms of people shopping for those who are vulnerable or, or running errands or providing emotional support there is that kind of sense of that there is a common good you know beyond the state almost at the level of yeah. how have we framed civil society or whatever we've all, all of a sudden we've woken up to the fact that forever the state has simply been a kind of an arbiter for for the market for kind of private enterprise for corporations and it provides an infrastructure upon which capital can grow and now all of a sudden you know in the midst of all of this it's almost like it's got to provide a an infrastructure around which we can all survive not flourish but survive and therefore we can colonize that space 
and do things with it in terms of mutual aid. And then hopefully we can try to, when we come out the other side, there are some things there that we can try and germinate and generate and do new things with, hopefully. Celebrate that side of things, the, the kind of the common, really. I think there's a lot of people who have come forward wanting to do something and not necessarily been able to apply that will to do something yet. I think, I I think whether that's, come, you know, but... But I think as well, I wonder whether that's, you know, because the infrastructure hasn't and the and the and the nous and the the skills, there are skills and knowledge and capabilities around. But but we haven't necessarily had mechanisms for mobilizing those and enabling people who wouldn't normally engage in that to engage in that. It may be one of the things at which universities, for instance, or or other other entities like that, enterprises, even entities like that can kind of help think that that and and they act as kind of unique spaces don't they in way that ways that sort of corporations don't because corporations are always seeking valid and i know that i know that universities are incorporated but dyson or whoever yeah. you know, is waiting for is waiting for some or general motors over in the states are waiting effectively for trump to invoke some presidential wartime presidential decree before they'll make ventilators whereas we might yeah. you know working in a university might be able to pull together a job lot of skills and say right there you are you know make of these what you want they're kind of we're going to make them open source for you yeah i definitely think that that's that's the gap isn't it like so the market wants paying whereas the public service have that public goodwill i suppose should you think we should talk about the um diary i think we should talk about that and then i can get yeah. that edited i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna grab some of this let's be good stuff i'm gonna grab some of that yeah. and edit that in as a little sort of i'm I'll, I'll probably putting a little bit of music in at this point but definitely not bowie because he's overrated so i'm not putting any bowie in there and i don't want the i don't want the bowie estate suing me you know what they're like <laughs> maybe well, we get a letter from the bowie estate saying in this circumstance given the nature well, of the conversation we'll yeah. give <laughs> we'll our royalties please given music off the album low <laughs> yeah yeah take what you like it's all yours you know ashes to ashes it could be ashes to ashes couldn't it so we should talk about what the purpose is shouldn't we we should talk about the fact that it was discussed over a whiskey on a wall that we can no longer do we can't do that anymore i feel yeah. devastated by that actually no. so it was like a highlight we... of my lockdown week yeah so we should explain that because we were isolating we decided to have a guinness and a whiskey two meters apart on my wall in the street and the following day we were told we can't even do that it's a yeah we were definitely a richard osman apart either end of your wall discussing what were we discussing what's the purpose of the street diary well i had this idea that because we were entering this uncharted territory where two grown men were standing on at the bottom of a street two meters apart having a beer instead of being in a pub that this was quite a strange situation that we were finding ourselves in and perhaps we should try and harness the experiences of people because personally in my own uh, social science interest I'd be quite interested in what people have to say and how they're seeing the world compared to how I'm seeing the world right now but also giving people an outlet to actually share their stories and experiences because this is weird however you look at it this is just a strange circumstance for everyone essentially locking ourselves away from an invisible killer type of scenario and it's a national and international problem we're having lots of media playing out their version of events constantly and i just thought that it would be an interesting idea just to try and see what the person in the street literally was feeling so why our street and and why do you think about this in terms of citizen science 
So to answer the first question, our street, I think, is quite well networked and has lots of different people living on it. So I thought that was quite interesting. So there's, I hate to use the word diversity, but there is a really good diversity in our, in our street and lots of different types of people, not necessarily cultural diversity, I have to say, lots of different types of people from different backgrounds, different politics and, and that kind of stuff. So I thought that was quite interesting. I only really know that because I'm in two WhatsApp groups on the street and the citizen science thing was just, well, we're both in the uh, social sciences. It would seem wrong to email out or to contact everyone on our street and say, we're two researchers and we'd just like to you to fill out a questionnaire and then then we might interview you about some of the answers that you gave in the questionnaire in order for us to go away and publish a paper on urban life in uh, wartime measures or something like that so I thought it would be really exciting if people actually wrote this content themselves and we didn't necessarily seek to create research out of it if we do along the way then we will credit the people who participated so they'll be co-researchers with us mentioned earlier is actually facilitating an outlet for this information i can see from some of the, the content we've had there's some really valuable data if, if you're looking at it a certain way i know i think we saw on twitter the other day that the houses of parliament are looking for different kinds of studies and different kinds of of data trying to capture what's happening in COVID-19 and I, I thought this might be an interesting collection of data but then again it's only seven days old and maybe it's a bit ambitious but it will be totally unlike any data anyone else has collected right now I think so I think that's really well and what I quite like about it is that you're right I kind of see the road as a as a sort of little as an interesting ecosystem so so it's connected into other roads and it's connected into other places but also that the, the road and the road itself snakes right it's really nice it's got kind of a nice sort of it's got a nice snaky sort of curvature yeah. to it and one of the things that we found when we moved here in 2002 was uh, friends who knew Lester well said that everyone knows someone who lives on or has lived on this road and i do think that you're right that, that there's a good mix of i mean a lot of white faces predominantly down the down the road which in leicester is you know is not is not is not necessarily typical but it potentially is in this area of of town i, I think it's an interesting ecosystem that has a as you say a broad range of of people a broad range of interests a broad range of jobs and work that people do as well people already kind of coming forward who have might want to be doing different things you might want to be doing some creative writing or some photography or some podcasting or video or might want to be just doing kind of making lists or whatever it might be and i guess even seven days in we've already had sort of seven eight kind of different authors as well which is kind of nice and some shorter form stuff and some stuff that's kind of longer i think as an evolutionary thing is a way in which hopefully over time the street it's kind of therapeutic right on, on some level because you feel like it's building something for what comes next because that's always the question is it what comes next after we've gone through this process the world as is or the world as we imagined it to be it ain't going to be that it's going to be different to try to build some sense of mutuality or association or commonality or or accepting of difference actually the commonality is our accepting of our differences the street diary becomes quite a nice vehicle for that because we get to we see each other and that and we see each other's frailties and we see each other's hopes and dreams and aspirations and connections and all of that in a really interesting way i think so part of it for me is that it's really interesting in that mode it's in a therapeutic associational communal mode 
And then also the citizen science thing, I think, is really interesting. The first time I came across that was there was a a body called JISC, which is a kind of governmental body that works with universities to provide IT infrastructure and IT services. They'd got some projects, and one of those projects was like there was a First World War archive that they that they'd got that was being housed out of Oxford, I think. And they were going around effectively working with people. People were kind of producing artifacts that their granddads and their great granddads and their grandmas and their great grandmas or their family had got heirlooms, whatever. Could be medals, letters that they got that were relating to the First World War, and they were going to document them to kind of take the power away from the Imperial War Museum or the British Library or the National Archives or whatever it might be to say, actually, this can be a bottom up. We, we can build history from the ground up. We can build an understanding of the world from the ground up. And I think that that's what we are almost trying to do as well a little bit with with this. So that's why I think it's just such a potentially powerful vehicle. Yeah, I saw a really nice study, actually. It was this, I think it was at New York City University. He bought something like a thousand notepads and he handed them out at Central Station. And he just said, write me your journey to work for the next month. No matter where you lived in in the five boroughs or beyond, what happened on each journey, what thing of note happened, even if it's quite mundane, like you delayed 10 minutes. How did that affect the rest of your day? And he got close to the thousand notepads back that he gave out. And then there was just this incredible data of the stories of people's lives over the course of four weeks accessing a, a, a essentially a subway in New York. This was like really powerful information that actually, I think ultimately, when, when he'd crunched all the data and, and, and drew some of the narratives out of it, there were policy changes enacted on, on uh, the New York underground. It was, it's like a really powerful thing that some of these stories were completely unexpected but they were quite while they were unexpected they were quite commonplace so there were trends within within the stories that people were as as a result of the train being late that this was affecting their lives in, in in this negative way and there was a complete policy shift as a result of it i'm not saying i can predict anything like that but i know but say- there are all sorts of things that are unexpected but the thing that kind of shines out there is the you know that thing about that it's expect it's impacting a range of people in incomparable or similar ways you know and you think that you're on your own but actually when when you when we stop to look that woman or that guy or that a young person over the road or down the road or whatever is experiencing not the same but similar issues and that and that therefore you feel more of a kind of a an affinity or an authenticity or a commonality between you yeah. and them there's a there's a connection there and we can kind of i think we become more accepting of each other and our own frailties and hopes through that i i would hope in part as well you're right we can't know what is necessarily going to kind of come out of all of this but i do think that there is in that moment of of crisis or having to recalibrate yourself that four-week period that you were talking about that we will be talking about no well they claim three weeks but it's likely to be much longer isn't it there is a deeper sense of authenticity about each other's stories that emerges in that moment because you're going to hopefully you're going to unless you're psychopathic you're going to kind of you're going to be more you're going to be honest about who you are what you're going through all, all of that and I think that those that those kind of testimonies are really important. I think, though, the, the difference with doing something like this is very human. There's a lot more humanity in this stuff that 
certainly i've been i've been surprised that so in my previous job I, I was a journalist and i was like always searching for human interest stories and you think some of these things are just i suppose wonderful be a way to see it but some of the things people are experiencing are far from wonderful also completely unexpected that i would be reading this yeah things, yeah. things that never occurred to me that yeah, are happening yeah to people isolation from families in separation for example how how people's mental health is standing up against all of this thing or, or changing or how people are reconnecting and seeking out old friendships and trying to use online technolo- technology in the, the little bit more time that we have now to to reach out and and start speaking to people again they may not have spoken to for a while there's some real really interesting stuff in there and i think it is it's a really the project has been a very human it's got there's a lot of humanity in there i suppose you would say yeah yeah no i think that's right i mean the, the risk is that technology gets used for inhuman ends but i think the, the intention is i would hope that people would be able to prioritize you want to connect with that person because you want to connect with that person because you've got enough in the bank that, that there's something there that you you know that, that actually the crisis kind of flags that all of those old petty things that might have happened or whatever you know you write them off and now we're doing this thing i think that's yeah. really beautiful so you've got to be on the street and then it's streetdiary.org is that right awesome street. we're both having a we're both even though we're both administrators we're having yeah, a yeah. check but it's streetdiary.org we're only vetting for all the serious stuff aren't we really but generally stuff's just gonna get published as is and it's and it's any form of media really isn't it a sort of podcast yeah. or video audio imagery text they just email it in people just email it in but you've got to be you've got to live on the street and you yeah which things like the probably like the most unusual way to in a social science idea framing it oh these people just happen to live on one street but no it's important yeah are you going to manage it otherwise and there's something about the ecosystem of the street and as you say there are already those whatsapp groups that are about mutual support anyway over certain local issues where are you now with the whole coronavirus thing where are you now well i'm been working on a big project with work i'm hopefully going to announce something quite big tomorrow i'll be able to talk about that probably later in the week you alluded to earlier university response uh, in yeah, terms yeah. of in staff knowledge and skills that took up the last few days so i've been really busy with that which has been a good distraction really getting the infrastructure of that together i suppose it does does expose you to the scale of the issues that are going to arise so mm-hmm. Obviously, everyone's thinking about now, but I think most public bodies are thinking about four or five weeks ahead when if the uh, current trajectories uh, remain, then there are going to be people who are vulnerable now could be even more vulnerable or those who care for the vulnerable then become ill and become vulnerable themselves. And it's really around about making sure the infrastructure is there to support everyone when this situation is amplified. There's a huge outpouring of goodwill, which is really beautiful to see. But how when in five weeks time, when let's face it, a lot more people will have died and there's going to be a lot, a lot more frightening stories in the news how many people are actually going to want to continue leaving their house and helping other people that's the kind of journalist in you almost the kind of you know but also the kind of institutional actor in you and what about you personally how do you feel about it i feel glad that i'm able to do something on this scale to be honest and create the infrastructure for people to do things and hopefully i'll be able to join in that when when we get up and running so it's quite satisfying in a way i've also got to be there for my wife she's still opening the local primary school every day and 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 being there for the children of essential workers i'm very proud of her for that but then i also think well you 
you're leaving the house and exposing yourself to more people. Mm. I have to say, I have to say in Boris's daily updates when he was giving them, I don't think he mentioned teachers and head teachers once. It was, yeah, uh, yeah. But th- there's a huge amount of teachers and head teachers across the country who are putting themselves at risk to ke- to keep schools open so that people can go and serve in the NHS. So it feels like I feel satisfied. I'm doing what I can at the moment. Um, and taking care. Are you taking care? We've all got to take care. Some of us are yeah. not taking care. Well, to be honest, it's a funny thing. It's like just looking at my Strava, which is an app for capturing exercise. On an average week this year, I would have jogged around 13 miles to try and keep fit on any over the course of any given seven days. This week, this week, I've, I've run 21 miles. <laughs> so and I'm joining all the flipping Joe Wick stuff as well. So uh, a uh, bit. That's that said. As soon as six o'clock hits, as well, I think oh, I've survived another day and raid the drinks cabinet. So yeah, yeah. I uh, and, uh, and of course we we should mention that um, other exercise gurus are available, not just Joe Wicks. Yeah. <laughs> we um, I don't think Joe uh, a promotion right now. To be fair, you know. Yeah, I um I should have been doing more running my um but after we last went out I got some um bursitis in my left hip I think because as you run along the side of Braunston Park where we were running along the path there's a bad camber I was running along after running along that it I felt it kind of stressing my left hip so um but I've kind of eased that out I've been doing more band you know it's got some resistance bands we do some band work I'm back on the bike in the middle room now so hopefully give it another week and just to, just before Boris or Govey Boy or whoever it is is going to tell us that that's it. We're locked in. I'll get out for one last. You know, you'll yeah. never take me alive. Run round the park. I mean, I think that's why I'm going out is because Boris has said, "Oh, you got one chance a day to go exercising," and I think, "Well, I'm having that." Yeah, yeah, your state-sanctioned exercise regime. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah God. I know. When, to when you say state-sanctioned, I was thinking about uh, the Stasi in East Germany. Yeah. Yeah, if things escalate this like could be a form of control that the yeah. neighborhood watch scheme is charlton's out again yeah he's done two today <laughs> and that's not even he that's not his dog who's that who's, who's he nicked that off yeah yeah i know i know so i'm looking forward to looking forward to doing that because i'm kind of missing we went out last weekend just for a couple of drives just because there were places i just sort of thought i need to, i'm not gonna be able to see the county for another few months it's the way it's going to be, you know. So off to Rutland Water just to look at the water on the Saturday. Didn't do anything. Just went, just a bit of a mosey. Coffee. We took our own, you know, sort of flask and then a mosey down at uh, Empingham. And then the next day kind of went out towards the Caudal, southeast Leicestershire and had a, had a bit of a mooch for a few miles, you know, avoided everybody. Realised that's not, it's not feasible or possible now. And actually you would be setting the wrong example by doing that. So I'm not going to do that. I am going to do my state sanctioned, you know, lap of the... Uh, block <laughs> about yeah. 10 times just to get my miles in yeah i must say that when when i've been uh jogging through braunston park there seem to be more people in the park than were normally there yeah. that, and observing that i'm not criticizing criticizing anyone who goes to the park i think it's brilliant uh-huh. but uh-huh. it's like maybe they're the same as me well boris has said you can get out once right we're having a walk to the park and where they wouldn't normally have done that yeah and i wonder like so if this is habit forming then you know, I hope lots of people will carry carry on their good habits. But by the same token, it, they, they could be developing a lot of bad habits. It's also quite scary to go out for some people, I would imagine. Yes. Are they no, going I know some people who are up? very worried about bumping into anybody. Yeah. You know, crossing streets and all of that. And it's, you know, it has that kind of John Wyndham, 
you know, sort of Day of the Triffids or even that kind of invasion of the body snatchers thing. Who are you? Where are you? What have you got? Are you going to hurt me? You know, all of that almost like yeah, sort of yeah. Cold War, sort of deep rooted, uh, you know, are you a communist kind of fear? You know, will I catch it off you if I if I look at you? And other people who were like very, we went out for a walk the other day just to drop some stuff off. Um, have a friend who's sight impaired. So we were going around to kind of drop some stuff off for him. And somebody walked incredibly close to us and somebody without care in the world, two people on bikes on the pavement, even though there's not much traffic around. Yeah. So it's either kind of, yeah, the whole range, aren't there, of responses? A lot of things seem to be very binary, I think. That's what I think yeah. it seems to yeah. be. This is going to be if if you can cope with this well, then you could come out of this with some positives. Cope with it differently, then you could end up with some negatives. Yeah, yeah. But like some people could potentially put on a lot of weight. I mean, I don't know that I won't. But Not you, mate, you're live. You're svelte. Right. <laughs> I'm ripped now, Joe. Joe Wicks, another plug for Joe Wicks. You know. <laughs> yeah. I've got. I tell you the things that I think are going to be. Um, that I'm, I'm 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 really busy, guys. I mean, I'm like I'm like insanely busy. Got too much to do. I'm making sure that I deep we deep clean at least one room at a weekend. So that's that's good. All the kind of dust from that's been there since 2002. That's getting mopped up. I've made my own sourdough starter. So uh, bread's going to go in in an hour. I'm excited about that. Going to teach myself to play chess a bit better against this, this guy who's sight impaired plays chess so i'm going to do that you know and the thing you made you said before about contacting you know a few people going to do that one of the things that i've been very intrigued by interested in is that the guardian football weekly podcast other podcasts are available other football podcasts are available they've been doing on a saturday afternoon at three o'clock watching and then live tweeting some classic old games so last sunday last saturday sorry yesterday in fact was 1973 FA Cup final, Sunderland versus Leeds, which you get on YouTube, just watch the 90 minutes. I've never seen it before. And there's something quite very therapeutic about doing that and then live tweeting it. It's just a really... Sam up the street, who's yet to write anything for us, by the way, if he does happen to listen to this. Yeah, yeah. I think he he became a Sunderland fan after watching that final. I I remember him telling me. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was Bob Stoker running along the pitch, wasn't it, that that did it for him. There's some interesting things I noticed. It was harem scarem that match. They were like, you know what I mean? They were just like going for it and going for it. You know when they all say these days, you know, it's much faster pace and they've got to be much fitter. And I kind of think, these guys, you know, as soon as anyone went down for a free kick, it was up and the ball was moving again. No waiting, no breather, no nothing. The quality was, there was some interesting quality in the game, I suppose. Sunderland didn't look like a team that would finish sixth in the old second division and they didn't look like they were that far apart from Leeds some of those challenges were were brutal and I thought it was quite interesting to note that when somebody got brutally sived down by uh by Norman Hunter or or um or Billy Bremner their um their the rest of their teammates didn't go demanding a, a card from the ref just sort of stood around waiting all <laughs> these guys rolling on the floor this is what it's like to go to work you know yeah <laughs> Some yeah. really, some of the free kicks were great as well. Like players really got underneath the ball. You know, it gets brilliant sort of parabolas these free kicks would be describing. I loved, it. and it was just a, it was no, you weren't placing it onto a to a particular person. It was just like get it in the mixer. It was just yeah. hoof it. So I really enjoyed watching that and live tweeting it. Just kind of get a sense of another world. It was like another world. It was a world yeah. ago. I mean, I suppose it was. It was almost fifty years now, but it was a world away from where we are now. In terms of yeah. style, in terms of the way the world was constructed, almost what was available, 
you know, how the world was controlled and mediated, yeah. all of that. Yeah, you die of something else. More yeah. run of the mill, like yeah. excess lard <laughs> <laughs> or smoking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Excess lard and tripe, you know, yeah. like something out of an Orwell novel. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think we should probably wind it up there. Yeah, yeah, you can't top that. You can't no, top no, no. Tripe and Orwell. So, tripe, Orwell and Sunderland 1973, you can't top that. Right. I will, um, I'll stop this, I'll download it, I'll edit it, I'll upload it, you grab it, you bung it, you do what you like with it. Beautiful. Excited. Right. Let me, let me press stop then. <laughs>